thank you for joining us for the third episode of Two, Two Player Bros. Oh, God, he's going to do this every episode. <laughs> A uh, podcast by two brothers who play way too many video games. I'm player number one, Michael Butler. I'm player two, I'm Alex Butler. And we're here to tell you about the week's, uh, past couple weeks, news, reviews, and previews on uh, different video games. Isn't that right, bro? I love video games. We all love video games. I, I wish life was a video game. It's just Extra like a really cool. hard version of GTA that you can't get away with as much stuff in. I was thinking The Sims, but we all have yellow diamonds above our heads all the time. True. That was depressing. I'm sorry. Anyway, so let's talk about uh, a little bit about ourselves. My name's Mike Butler. As I said before, I'm an actor and writer based on the East Coast. As my day job, I manage a movie theater when I'm not trying to make my actual dreams come true. I'm Alex. I'm player two again. I'm an IT guy. I also am a Twitch affiliate now. Yay. And uh, I like video games and computers. I'm a super nerd. Go me. Yeah. All right. So that's a little bit about ourselves. Uh, We're not going to go too into detail because we did it the first two episodes. But Alex and I, over the course of our lifespan, have played pretty much every system. We've owned pretty much every major system with the exception of probably Super Nintendo, which we have still played plenty of, especially with emulators nowadays. Um, He's more of a PC guy. Hardcore, I would think. Very hardcore. Hardcore! (laughs) And I'm more of a console guy. Xbox, PlayStation, uh, Nintendo Switch. And uh, we both have VR as well. So today's episode, we're going to start off with some Q&A. We're going to lead into some video game news. we got a decent amount for you guys. We're going to preview Mortal Kombat. And then uh, I think I'm going to take you over to the tech corner, and we're going to talk about some stuff, bro. I need your IT brain. Beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, beep. And uh, so, yeah. Episode 3 of Two Player Bros starts now. All right. So, question and answer time. Are you ready for some questions, bro? Ask away. All right, Ask I'll start. me. A question. Give me a question. I will start with the first question. I'll start the first question. You bitch. Can I say that? I guess you can say that. that. I I wouldn't say it too often, but I mean... Okay, go for it, We're rated explicit. What... Question number one. What is your favorite gaming snack? My favorite gaming snack? Your favorite gaming snack. I love Cheez-Its. There's a box of Cheez-Its right next to you right now. It is. Not just any cheese it bro. This is a... This is the new one. This is a special box That's of cheese That's the new one. It's the Loaded Cheesy Taco Grooves. Newest edition. So you gotta go with the Cheez-Its, because if you go with Cheetos, they're too messy. You can't game with Cheetos. You can't game with Cheetos. You're gonna ruin your pretty controllers. You gotta keep them digits clean. At least with Cheez-Its, they're not as greasy. They're still a little... You know, they're salty, but... You know, you're you're not gonna. You know, if you got jeans on, you just you wipe your hands a little bit on your jeans, and then you're good to go. You know what, bro? I'm gonna have to try. I'm gonna have to try some of these uh, cheese of grooves. Yeah, you're gonna try cheese of grooves. It's pretty good. It tastes like a taco. It actually scarily does taste like a taco. Loaded cheesy taco, naturally and artificially flavored. I was getting nervous there. I don't want anything natural in my body. Oh, screw that. We're gamers. This is now an ASMR video. You like that taco seasoning? It's just cheese and taco seasoning. Mm-hmm. 
It's like the sprinkled old El Paso on a cheese. That one looks burnt. That's because it is. <laughs> Crunch louder, yeah. I think it's a good choice. I think it's a good choice. So you got to break away from the the typical the, the stereotype of of Doritos and Mountain Dew, unless that's going to be your answer. Uh, I do love me Doritos, but like you said, it gets your hands too messy. I'm not I'm not a big snack guy. Um, I do love fast food, but I'm not a big junk food or candy kind of guy. Um, I'll drink soda. I'll drink beer. I'm mostly all about my meals, though. You know, like I'll drink a, uh, I'll eat a, I'll eat a shitty meal, but I don't like to snack. But when I do snack, when I play video games, it's probably going to be back in the day. Trader Joe's had these wasabi peas that you and I both love spicy things, bro. Ooh, I love wasabi peas. So Trader Joe's used to have this big box of wasabi peas that I used to just eat constantly. I remember when Gears of War, I think it was three, came out, just playing that online, and anytime I died. Or anytime I was waiting behind a wall, I would just pound a couple of wasabi peas, chew them, tears coming down my eyes because they were so spicy. Because I'd fill my mouth with them and then just play the game. Uh, so I like those. And maybe cookies. If I have any, if like it's Girl Scout time and it's time to eat cookies, that's about it though for me. So I guess wasabi peas would be my answer, but sadly I have not found them in Trader Joe's for quite some time. Wasabi peas are at. Stop and shop. I found them there a couple weeks ago. Don't lie to me, bro. I'm not lying to you. I'll try to take your word for it. I'll have to check out Stop and Shop and see if they have any wasabi peas for I me. I mean, at least the one here. That's not too far. I'll check it out. Don't lie to me. I know where you live. This is true. Well, the next question is what do you do during long loading screens or respawn times? Eat wasabi peas. <laughs> um, generally speaking, I I don't well I don't snack while I play video games. I do drink a lot of like soda, seltzer, beer, depending on the game at it. Um, so I'll probably run to my refrigerator while waiting for one of those things to happen, jumping over my couch to get something to drink. Uh, another thing I would do is probably just just add a just complete habit. Just grab my phone and just refresh. Video game news websites, entertainment news websites, or Facebook or Instagram, just because, and then just put the phone down, even if it's the same article over and over and over again, just because it's out of habit. That's that's pretty much my go-to on loading screens. That, yeah, I mean, I think the answer for a lot of people is going to be just grab your phone. Um, what I like to do now that I have my second monitor is I like to put Twitch on the second screen, I mean, when I'm not streaming, I'll watch other streamers. So, I mean, even while I'm gaming, but definitely during loading screens or, like, when I'm waiting for a respawn timer, I'll just look over to the second monitor and watch the other streamer play. Or, if I'm not doing that, I'm on my phone playing Bloons Tower Defense 6 Sponsorship, (laughs) Um, which is a great game, by the way. It's really fun. I think it's, like, $3 on the... Google Play or iTunes Store, iPhone Store, whatever Apple does, that those Apple things. All right, third question sent to us is um, in honor of National Puppy Day, which was just the other day. Uh, John Wick three put out a uh, National Puppy Day trailer. I don't know if you saw that. That was pretty Oof. fun. 
who let the dogs out? Woof. Woof, woof, woof. woof. We're super awkward. <laughs> uh, is, so, who's your favorite video game dog? My favorite video game dog is Dog from Half-Life 2. I mean, he's not really a dog, but he's kind of a dog, and his name is Dog. <laughs> but he's awesome. You can play fetch with him using the gravity gun. That's cool. Actually, I vaguely recall that. And you can pet him. If you can't pet the dog in a game, you shouldn't have had the dog in the game. Yeah. That's cool. How about you? My favorite dog in a video game is probably Boomer from the more or less recent Far Cry 5. Boomer is an Australian Shepherd, or looks like it, which is pretty close to an Australian cattle dog, which we used to have when we were younger. Um, so Boomer has a place near and dear to my heart. Boomer will join you as a fang for hire in Far Cry 5, which means he'll join you on your travels. You can pet him. You have to protect him. Um, he'll protect you and jump on bad guys. He finds items for you out in the wild. You can give him orders. He reacts, sniffs around. You can pet him. The more you pet him, he actually jumps up on your chest and lets you pet him as well. So he's a very realistic kind of dog. And they do such a great job with his mannerisms and his actions and stuff. You pick two teammates in that game. I was always pick one other one to try them all out, but I'd always have Boomer with me. Because Boomer the dog is awesome. Yeah, dog. That wraps it up for our Q&A. So I think it's time to flip the page. The page. Sorry. All right, we got some big news uh, for this We, we do uh, have some big news. You want to know what the news is? What's the news? The news is I just spent like five to seven minutes talking and you forgot to hit the record button. You know, I don't know whether I'm going to edit that out or not. They don't need to know my shame. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say all that over again, but I just wanted you to know player one is an idiot. <sighs> It's true. <laughs> I never hit the record button. Anyway. Anyway. So we got some news. We got news. Uh, this was a pretty big last couple weeks. We had uh, the GDC convention, and now we have PAX East, which some big news has just come out of. Uh, I know something Player 2 over here, Alex, is pretty excited about. I'm so excited. I can't hide it. So uh, why, don't, uh, why don't you start? Borderlands 3. I'm so excited. I love Borderlands. I have 700 hours in Borderlands 2. 100 hours in pre-sequel because it's not as good. It's a lot of hours. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait. The trailer came out today, March 28th. They teased it at PAX East, and it looks fucking amazing. It does look really cool. They've got four new player characters, it looks like. That's not confirmed yet, but judging by the trailer, you got some... I think it looks like an android kind of dude. Yeah, he's my favorite looking guy. Yeah, with the big yeah. eye. Yeah, he looks like... He looks probably like the heavy of of the team in this one. Uh, you got this uh, girl with a bunch of armor plating, it looks like. Don't really know what she's about. And then you have the obligatory siren. She has this crazy... Uh, move in the trailer. Well, I wouldn't really say move, but she kind of banks a whole bunch of arms come out. Oh, yep. yep. She's, like the Shiva kind of thing going on. Yeah, a mm-hmm. bunch of crazy arms. Um, and then you have what I'm assuming is the commando-like guy. Always got to have a commando. Looks like all the other characters are still in it. 
Claptrap. Claptrap's obviously. You can't get rid of Claptrap. Uh, Maya's in it. I didn't see... You know what? I didn't see Zero or... I'll have to rewatch the trailer again because I think he might have been in the scene with Riz, who's also in the game from Tales from Borderlands, Telltale series. Tying it all together. Axton. I didn't see Axton at all. But uh, Tiny Tina is in it. She's a little more grown up now. Brick is in it. He plays a pretty awesome saxophone in the trailer. Like a, <laughs> yep. like, like a badass. What's your... Uh, there's there's a certain like monster you saw that you really love. I'm really excited about the new biomes because we're always stuck on Pandora on Borderlands. And this time... There's this swamp, looks like a, I don't know if it's a swamp area or a whole swamp planet, but there's this dinosaur that runs into frame, open its n- multiple mouths, and then breathes fire out of its nose, and that looks ridiculous and awesome at the same time. Hell yeah. It looks so great. Uh, another thing I loved was the walking gun. They have walking guns now. It's literally a gun with tiny legs that just walks around and shoots. It's, it's hilarious. It's adorable. It's like a really cute little turt. <laughs> uh, billions. Or no, sorry. A billion, over a billion guns they said in this game. That's really cool. That's really impressive. If they all can look different enough, that's really cool. All Borderlands fans would know. They, I mean, because that was the thing in the in Borderlands 2. They hyped up having like a million or something like that gun combinations, and that's what it is. It's it's, it's just gun combinations. So you you start with the base gun from the manufacturer. You know you have you have TDR, at least in in, in Borderlands too. You have TDR where uh, you reload and you uh, get an explosion because you throw the gun when you reload and explodes. You have Ladoff, which is all about high fire rate. You got. Uh, you got Malawan for your elemental gun damage. You had Jacobs for that single fire, high accuracy, high damage. You have Hyperion for... Uh, it, and it's pretty unique. You start out with low accuracy, and the more you shoot, you get higher accuracy. Very strange how, how Hyperion guns work. That's kind of interesting, though. Uh, you got Torque. Explosions! <laughs> Every gun is explosive because Torque's a badass who loves explosions. Who doesn't love explosions? So you take a base gun from a manufacturer like that, and then you, you know add parts. You add a scope. You add uh, you add the stock and uh, barrel and the combination of all those things. I guess there's enough in this game to make over a billion different combinations. Well, that's good for a bunch of people like loot chasers and stuff like that. I know Borderlands when it came out didn't have much to compete with in the kind of genre they were. I think going for and now you have games like Anthem you have games like Destiny you have games uh, less so like Division but it's still kind of a loot chasing game and now Borderlands kind of the granddaddy of them all has to kind of they're back show them how it's done Diablo with guns is how I like to see it I was definitely impressed by the graphics in this one the graphics look really cool they do and from a technical standpoint you know because I'm Mr. IT guy um, my biggest problem with two in the pre-sequel was they handled physics terribly. The game would lag whenever a little bit of physics was going on. I mean, don't get me wrong, still amazing game to play, but it gets damn annoying going from 80 frames per second down to 30 just because you have like one explosion or there's a little bit of like running water, even when you set the physics to low. So hopefully. It's a lot more smooth and optimized in the new engine. I believe they're using Unreal Engine 4 for it. Well, they've had five years to work on this one, so... I hope so. Let's hope. 
but looks really cool. I'm excited, super excited. There will be more news about it on April 3rd, they said. So I'm looking forward to the next announcement for it. Hopefully, maybe a release date, because right now they don't have a release date for it. Been waiting this long. What's another year or so? Yeah. But they did announce that Borderlands 1 is getting a complete remaster. So for everyone who hasn't played 1 yet, it's going to be the perfect opportunity to catch up with the story of what happens, you know, in between 1, the pre-sequel, 2, and the new one, the 3. They're adding shift codes to the game, and if people who have played 2 or the pre-sequel know, shift codes is the system that they have where you kind of enter a, it's like 12 or so digit code into... Uh, the shift section and it'll give you golden keys which you can then use to unlock items sometimes the codes just give you skins in original borderlands one the only skins you could find were just recolors of the character skins they're actually adding full-blown skins to the game now skins and heads as borderlands 2 had so you can kind of customize your character's look some more new guns i think they said a bunch of quality of life changes so the game will feel a lot more modern i mean i went back and i played it through just so i could play the story because i started with borderlands 2 and it definitely seemed outdated after play especially after playing two so i'm i'm looking forward to uh playing through the game again it gives you it'll give you uh, all the borderlands fans something to do until three comes actually comes out pretty cool bro yeah so aside from that what other gaming news do we have today bro i think the biggest news at least for me came last week when out of the blue at the gdc convention they announced vampire the masquerade bloodlines 2 Ooh, Bloodlines 2, you say? Yes. Um, people who don't know, it was kind of a cult hit. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines was actually the second video game version of the Vampire the Masquerade franchise after Redemption, which was the very first one I played. And this was the very first big PC game that I played, where it was like, I can't remember if I ended up buying it, or I just begged our dad to get it. I know he installed it. I needed a new video card, and that's where I learned about RAM and video cards, and needing to upgrade your computer to be able to play a game. But Vampire blew my mind. The amount of choice you had in the game, the freedom, the fact that the game took place back in time in the modern day. Bloodlines only takes place in the modern day. It was a first-person shooter game, but was still an RPG. And really, from a storytelling perspective, handled vampires probably the best I've seen in almost any medium. And it's based on the World of Darkness franchise, which is a tabletop RPG-type game. But they have Clans of Vampire, which can be the Bruja, which I believe you are in the first game which are kind of an honorable, noble vampire clan. And then there are, you know, shifty, snaky-type guys, magic-wielding guys. There's the grizzly bear-type animalistic vampires. And there's the Nosferatu clan, where if you get bitten, you turn into, like, I love classic how to, Nosferatus. like, all those, at least you remember Nosferatu. You can't forget that. That's classic vampire. The Tremere are the magic Tremere ones. Tremere are the magic the guys. Tancred. I believe it's called Tankard or the werewolf. Or I think the, you're uh, right. The animal Look at ones. you remember. This game is very near dear to both of our hearts. Well, I see. I remember this because Vampire is the game that made me want to do computers. When I was 12 years old, I was making mods for Vampire: The Masquerade Redemption, not Bloodlines, because I actually never played Bloodlines. But Redemption, I was 12 years old, putting out weapon packs, skins, and all that, and I never made mods since, but. 
Unfortunately, all those are lost to me. If you go on the Wayback Machine and you're able to find Mod Haven for uh, for Vampire Masquerade Redemption, you'll see you'll see the entries <laughs> of my packs, but you can't actually download them because the links are broken in the archive. But yep, so very near and dear to my heart is Redemption, but at least you played Bloodline, so you can you can talk about that. <laughs> Uh, Bloodlines is really cool. Redemption, you were able to go from the past to the present. You were a vampire that lived forever, so half the game was back when the Crusades happened, and then the rest of the game was in the modern age, which was really cool. Bloodlines sticks to you, I believe, in Los Angeles. It's very much like a like a vampire game. It's dark, it's seedy, it's a noir-type game. You're a newly bitten vampire. You claim your clan at the beginning. Which clan, which vampire clan bit you? And turned you, and then you make choices from there. You get yourself some ghouls, people that are kind of enslaved to you, they're addicted to your blood, they're not quite vampires. You go through the subways, you fight other monsters like werewolves and stuff like that, and you're you get embroiled in a huge conspiracy. And Bloodlines too looks to kind of continue that noirish kind of tradition, putting you in Seattle this time, in a semi open world. It's not open like Grand Theft Auto, but you can still kind of explore different hub areas and talk to people, make different choices. You can feed on things like blood bags, rats, but your main blood source is going to come from people. And what they've done in this game, which sounds really cool, is you can kind of scan from person to person, and depending on their emotion, that blood will give you different powers. So if you have, like, a fearful person, your senses will go up. And if you drink, like, it's an angry person, your attack power will go up if you drink them. Um, And that, of course, will break the masquerade. And the masquerade is the rules by which vampires hide from humanity, why no one knows about them. So you've kind of got to establish your place in the universe. Uh, You're not attached to any clan. You choose how you're going to evolve throughout gameplay and your own choices. But there are really cool blood magic type things. In the trailer, which is an actual gameplay, you see a lot of kind of telekinetic type powers. You see them eating people. You see a couple of lower demons. But it seems like a really cool game, really fun. I don't believe there's a specific release date for the game yet, but there will be three different versions to buy. It's available Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. The developer is Hard Suit Labs. So this game is a sequel to a game that came out in 2004. So the people who did play Bloodlines and are waiting for this game have waited for a long time for this. I hope it's great. What I've seen, the brief screenshots, the previews I've read say that it looks really cool. And I really just hope that it really expands the world of Vampire. It does right by the classic games. And, bro, they even say that they're going to absolutely support modders in this game. I do like that. I just want my storyteller mode, though. We'll see. Vampire the Masquerade allowed you to tell stories, not just mod. Uh, It was really cool because it's based on a tabletop kind of make-your-own-adventure type game. So hopefully Bloodlines will continue that and allow people like Player 2 to do that. And from a technical standpoint, once again, if you have a new NVIDIA 20 series graphics card and you're planning on picking this up for the PC, it does support the DLSS uh, anti-aliasing technology which uses AI to upscale the game to higher resolution without taxing your machine, and also supports ray tracing for the very accurate uh, light-based calculations. So the lighting in the game is going to look amazing compared to the traditional uh, algorithms that most games use for lighting effects. So if you have that 20 series card, 
this game will look really good. Which is great because the game takes place at night in Seattle, which is always traditionally really rainy. So you'll have a lot of puddles to really puddles. So one of the great things actually about ray tracing is actually dark rooms. Um, I don't know if you saw the trailer for, or not trailer, but the any of like the technical previews for ray tracing. But uh, my the the thing that most stood out to me was there was this one uh, cabin. And I think they used Metro to show it off. Um, And in the cabin, it was completely dark. But then it was lit from light that bounced off the ground that was coming in from a window. So the rest of the cabin seemed pretty dark. But like the areas that should be lit from this light that's refracting from the ground to the rest of the room made it just creepy. And really good because when they you know they turn ray tracing off, they have to kind of guess and they they put like a fake light that you can't see, like a hidden light to kind of illuminate what it kind of should be like. But you know you you lose a lot of that creepy effect, and especially with moving light sources too. For for a game that's going to take place in a lot of dark areas, they could to use that to their advantage a lot of having light that's coming in from sources that's refracting around. So I'm excited for that from my nerdy technical standpoint. And I'm excited for it from a storytelling vampire fan standpoint. <laughs> the last vampire game I played was Vampire. I haven't beaten it yet. It's not the greatest game, but the storyline is good, and I hope Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 will continue the Vampire the Masquerade tradition of telling a great story, along with it being a great game. So what do we have next there? Next, we have... Um, another gaming little meeting convention happened. It's called PlayStation's State of Play. Uh, essentially a PlayStation version of Nintendo Direct, which apparently people were not big fans of, we saw on YouTube. A lot of, a lot of negative comments. There were a lot of negative comments. But it seemed like those stemmed because they basically copied Nintendo. Yeah. There was also a lot of VR stuff. And a lot of people don't have PlayStation VR. I don't have PlayStation VR yet. At least you got a Vive, though. I do have a Vive, but Trover Saves the Universe comes out soon from Justin Roiland, the creator of Rick and Morty, and that's a VR game. And coupled with the couple of the games we're about to talk about, I think I might have to get PlayStation VR by May. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, So the first one they announced was a VR game, which I don't think either of us were terribly impressed with. Not at all. I mean, Iron Man is... My favorite Avenger. I have an Iron Man shadow box poster thing framed right there above my computer. I have Iron Man on my keychain. I have an Iron Man motorcycle helmet. I love Iron Man. I don't love this game. By the way, we're talking about Iron Man VR. It's called Marvel's Iron Man VR. I think after Marvel's Spider-Man and PlayStation, I think fans come to expect would have come to expect that level of AAA game title from them, and instead it kind of looks like a Space Invaders type first person game, which they didn't show any gameplay, but even the cinematic mode seemed underwhelming and kind of showed you exactly what this game's going to be, just flying around, laser punching things. It wasn't even like lasers; it was just like a, it looked like almost like just like a little bullet that comes out of your hand and just like pew pew. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem overly complex it doesn't seem it, it makes iron man seem kind of underwhelming too right yeah you know i know and come to think of it i still have to review it maybe once i beat it I'll, I'll definitely review it but anthem at least in terms of controls and movement is pretty much 
seems like it's already a better Iron Man simulator than this game. Yeah. So it's only it was only a couple minute clip, like two minutes maybe, to open up the show. But that's definitely was definitely an underwhelming thing to show right off the bat. Indeed. The next thing they showed was some Crash Team Racing, which I don't remember really ever playing on the original PlayStation. I'm a big Crash Bandicoot fan. But I know we didn't own it. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I might have played it at a friend's house. But what I've seen, I, I like. But I think that Mario Kart kind of owns the kart racing universe. So I think that'll be tough to beat. But I'm interested to see what they do with it. To me, it just seems like if you have a PlayStation and you don't have a Switch, it's it's your Mario Kart fix for that. That's true. That, that's the way I see it. Fair enough. Um, no Man's Sky, they showed. No Man's Sky Beyond is this big update that's coming out. I love No Man's Sky. I enjoyed it when it first came out, but it was definitely underwhelming. It seemed like they promised way more than they were able to deliver on, um, which they got a lot of flack for, which is fair. But they more than made up with that with countless, countless free updates that has made the game so much better, so much more infinitely diverse and unending (laughs) and with this new update beyond one of the many updates that they're going to continue this summer is a vr mode which i think they said will be exclusive to playstation which i guess will be cool exploring the sky and stuff like that i hope it's well done the game can seem a little claustrophobic in your ship at times but any update to no man's sky is a good update the other thing they announced was ready set heroes which i thought had a kind of interesting concept that was the dungeon crawler where you're two teams in two separate dungeons. Right, right, right. That looks interesting. I do love dungeon crawlers, and I like competitive games like that. I'm a fan of, I don't know if anyone knows, Crawl on PC. I don't think I do. It's a dungeon crawler. Basically, you and three other people, up to three other people, compete to get to the end of the dungeon. One person's the hero, and other three players are the enemies, the monsters. And if one of the monsters ends up killing you, that monster gets to turn into the hero. And whoever's the hero by the end of the game gets to fight the boss, which is, again, controlled by the other players. That's That sounds pretty cool. It's a neat twist on the dungeon crawler thing, which this new game... Seems like also. Yeah. A different twist on dungeon crawlers. So the two teams play the same dungeon, but they can't see each other. And it's basically a race to the finish. And when each team gets out of the dungeon, whoever's there first becomes more powerful. And they have to fight it out to see who gets to uh, who gets to actually win at the end of the game. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Competitive dungeon crawler game like that. And it's done in like an indie kind of like cartoony style. So it's not taking itself too seriously. So I think that's a pretty cool addition. Indeed. The other game they showed was More Days Gone, kind of a story trailer, I guess. And to be honest, I know Sony's pushing Days Gone hard, and it doesn't look like a bad game, but do we need more open-world zombie games? No. No. And, and no. I know I know they're not zombies, they're freakers. Every every zombie game calls them differently. E- exactly. And it's got, it does have, like, it can show a lot of zombies on the screen, which we already kind of went over last episode world war z game has that as as well and probably in a little better because they work in tandem to kind of create the walls and and ladders and stuff to try to get you i will probably pick this one up to try it out but i think the zombie genre is kind of wearing thin on me for the most part yeah i love zombie games but there's too many too many yeah at least too many that aren't like Resident Evil 2 made them scary again, but now too many people aren't making them scary. Well, I think that's my problem. I'll never get mad at a zombie Resident Evil because 
that's the zombie game. They're like, yeah, they pretty much. I'm, I'm sure they didn't do the first zombie video game, but zombies they ate did my the neighbors. first really good zombie video game. Zombies ate my neighbors. I remember playing that, and I think we fought every time we played it. Physically fought every single time we played it. Well, there's not shared loot, so yeah. Yeah. But yes, we did. <laughs> anyway, so Days Gone, they showed a tra- story trailer. It didn't show off much gameplay. But honestly, at this point, we've seen pretty much all we can of the game. It's time to actually put it in our hands and let us play it. Then they showed us a pretty cool PlayStation VR game, I thought, called Blood and Truth. Uh, it looks like you're like a soldier whose secret life is as a member of a British spy agency, kind of spy agency or a British crime family. I'm not sure, but it looks like it's got a lot of British charm, and the gameplay looks cool, serious first-person shooter kind of a game with kind of a, I guess, television series type story. Hmm. So I hope to see more about more of that. Then they showed the observation, which I read about maybe about a year ago, which had a really cool concept. And they just showed kind of more cinematic type graphics, I think, in this one. But I think they kind of gave you the feel of the game, which was really cool. Um, and this is the game where you're in the space station mm-hmm. and you're you're watching this astronaut lady try to get out, and it turns out you're not her; you're the space station. Space Station. So in this game, you're kind of in Five Nights at Freddy's kind of type thing where you're controlling the cameras to kind of see where you're going in this, where she's going in the space station. And you're trying to lead her toward the clues about why she's all alone in this, the space station. What happened to the crew? What happened to you as the AI? Did you get corrupted? Is something wrong with you? And trying to help her survive in the space station. So it's got a little bit of like a Sandra Bullock and Gravity vibe to it, which I think is kind of cool. Mm. So that's also a Devolver digital game, which I know you, when we were watching the uh, presentation, you were a little surprised about the look of the game. Yeah, Devolver digital usually are very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not simple. Minimalist. Yes. Yes, that's minimalist. The they make very minimalist games like Ape Out, which was just flat colors but still interesting and fun like they're always like out of the box kind of like minimalist looking games but this is like full-on triple a style looking crazy graphics game which is just strange for developer digital to do right and i think pretty much all the games i've seen by them including the upcoming uh my friend pedro for the nintendo switch where you're a skateboarding vigilante with a banana shirt that talks to you Mm -hmm. even the style of game is is very tongue-in-cheek or very obscure and violent. I don't know if I've played a Devolver digital game that's kind of more exploratory and story-driven and less driven by humor or violence. So I think that's kind of mm. cool as well. So they didn't show much of that, but it definitely got the reminded me that it's coming out and really gave out the feeling more than you know different previews on different websites can do. And then they showed something that both excited and angered you at the same time. Ah, uh, yes. Five Nights at Freddy's. I love Five Nights at Freddy's. But it almost it scared me for a second because I thought it was about to be a PlayStation VR exclusive. Because I've wanted a Five Nights at Freddy's VR game for a long time. I first heard about Five Nights at Freddy's right after the first one came out. Uh, on my birthday, actually, I saw Markiplier 
play it. Also, now Markiplier is my favorite YouTuber because of this game, seeing him play it. Um, I saw him playing it, and it was just this awesome, fun, jump-scare horror game, and it looked really cool. And then ever since I got a Vive, I was always like, you know what game would be perfect in VR? Five Nights at Freddy's. Because you just, in the game, you always just, you're sitting still at, like, some kind of console trying to outsmart the animatronics just like from the controls in front of you which would be a perfect control scheme for a vr game and vr horror games are scary as hell because you feel like you're right there it's so. true emily wants to play as a freaky game in vr and then yeah controllers though it's not five nights at freddy is one of the only games i've played where it actually is legitimately frightening while you're playing it even though they're stupid Chuck E. Cheese mascots. Yeah. So I can't imagine playing that strapped to a VR helmet. Yeah, and they actually like move around because it's VR because I don't know, I'm, afraid, I'm sure most people who are listening to this I'm sure have seen or played Five Nights at Freddy's because of how big it became. But like they're all like static kind of like care like the graphics style is like just like images, kind of mm-hmm. like they're not actually 3D models moving around or at you or being creepy. Like you look at a camera, you see a static image. Every time the the characters move around, the cameras go black because again, it's a static image, and then it pops back up where the new their new positions are. So being able to see them actually move around is going to add that extra layer of fear and creepiness to it also i believe because they're they're actually going back and they're what from what it looked like is you're going to be able to go into the major like all of the old games it does look like that uh the one two three and i didn't see no i did we did see two two was uh, one two three and four were shown in that trailer in the vr trailer so i'm excited Five Nights at Freddy, Help yep. Wanted VR. Yep, if you want to poop your pants, if you, uh, you know, you're having trouble down there someday, you know, just open up uh, Five Nights at Freddy's VR, play a little bit, I guarantee you, you'll shit yourself. <laughs> yep, it'd be a good time. Uh, but you found out it wasn't PS VR exclusive. Nope, I had to search for that too, because PlayStation's the only thing that's really talked about it so far. But no, it will be available for PC as well on Oculus Rift and Vive. Nice. All right. And then we saw a little game called Concrete Genie, which I thought looked really cool. A uh, little, little boy who's uh, able to paint things on walls in his hometown, it looks like. And those paintings come to life. It looked like it had a really big Epic Mickey-type vibe. Yep. So I've never actually played Epic Mickey, even though I own it. And I think you actually bought it for me. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, and the paint I controller. think you also bought me. Did you buy me Sonic Colors? Yep. It's still in its wrapping yep. paper. It's I've I haven't even taken the wrapper off of that, and that was how many years? Like ten years ago. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And one of these days I'll unwrap it. You know, maybe it'll become a collector's item, and it'll be unopened and still sealed and everything. And I, uh, it'll be cool to have. Yep. Yep. Yeah, one of these days yep. I'll play it. Seething with anger and hatred. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah you get to paint and their paintings seem like they come alive on the street walls street walls is that cement walls concrete on walls concrete walls, walls. Well, that good. words you know what no words words are hard okay okay guys words are hard 
So it shows him as he's got little fantasy companions. Looks like he used the paint to open doors and solve puzzles. It looks like some of the creatures actually come off the walls and attack you. Toward the end, they show this shadow beast kind of thing. It's all done in an animated, not quite cel-shaded format. But the game looks colorful. It looks good. Um, and the trailer just made me want to kind of get my hands on it and try to paint the walls and stuff like that. So it, mm. it, it, I think it did its job of getting me interested. And it comes out soon, fall of this year. So I, I'm excited to see more about that. That's Concrete Genie. Indeed. Uh, then we saw just a story trailer for uh, something we're about to go into. So it's a good segue. They showed the Mortal Kombat 11 story trailer. And uh, I really liked the way the story was going. Um, and the story really played along with, I believe, Kronika is her name, is the main bad guy in this one. And she has messed with time. She? She. Kronika is a lady. That's a she? It's a she boss. No, what? Kronika is not who you saw. You saw Garrus, I think his name is. Oh. he's a, He works with Kronika. You didn't oh, see her okay. at all. Oh, uh, okay. I was confused. <laughs> I was like, that That chick's got mad pecs. <laughs> no. Okay. Yep, Veronica is a um, like a female god who's mad at Raiden because Raiden is um, bad. For anyone who hasn't played the end of Mortal Kombat 10, A, shame on you, it's an amazing game. And B, Raiden goes, spoiler, Raiden becomes bad at the end. He absorbs all the dark energy that they've been putting into his temple. And he doesn't to really save go the world, bad, he, he kind goes of, neutral. Right, he becomes... He just doesn't... All he cares about is protecting Earth, and he doesn't care who he's got to kill to do it. So he goes neutral. He doesn't go evil. He goes rogue, let's say. He kind of... Oh. I mean, if, he, if you look up the official lore, they say he goes <laughs> neutral. All right. Official lore-wise, Raiden is neutral, but he a badass. Yeah. <laughs> so Kronika goes back in time to kind of set things right, I guess, or go her, for things to go her way. Once again, going back in time to try to fix everything... That's fine. Seems to be the new route Mortal Kombat's going because they keep screwing up their own universe. I don't know if it's screwing up their own universe so much as if you bring in characters, kids and stuff like that, but you still want to keep the original characters. Oops, we killed everyone. Time to go back in time again. It's a fine. I think Mortal Kombat, in terms of fighting (laughs) games, definitely has the best storyline, which isn't saying, I guess, much. Um, But yeah, so she goes, Kronika goes back. You see all the old characters kind of meeting their younger selves. So you see Liu Kang fighting his... I believe it's called a Revenant, the Revenant version of Liu Kang? Yes. The Revenant Liu Kang. You see Jax beat Jax's ass, which was really interesting. And it's, meeting it's weird. His yeah, daughter. all these characters, like, they're still good in both young and current form, so I don't understand why they're all fighting themselves. I don't know, but... It makes sense for some of them. I'm cool with the Johnny Cage on Johnny Cage fight. I thought that was funny. Yeah, but, like... Scorpion on Scorpion on Scorpion I could see because I'm pretty sure the one Scorpion the past Scorpion is gonna probably still be Revenant Scorpion and I believe the new Scorpion is back to being human right Scorpion at this point or in our timeline that we're up to has become human and he actually has an uneasy alliance with Sub-Zero now Mm -hmm. and a son who I hope is back I really like that character in the first game or not the first game in the last game He's got a crazy, kinky whip. Yes, he does. So the story trailer looked great. looked like it had a lot of humor, which is good in the game, especially like this. That has been around so long, and the story is so ridiculous. Getting some tongue-in-cheek humor, like hitting Johnny Cage, breaking his glasses, and then having him put another pair of sunglasses on that he had in his pocket. Um, Just little touches like that were great. So that being said, 
let's talk about Mortal Kombat 11 and flip the page. Flip the page. <laughs> Lick your finger first. It makes it easier. All right. Wait, but weren't we just talking about Mortal Kombat 11? Uh, we were, and now we're going to talk about it again. Yeah, let's talk yeah, about it again. It's a very Mortal Kombat issue. So, I have you. just, a month early. A month early. Dropped 100 bucks. Dropped 100 bucks <laughs> By accident. Accidentally on the wrong credit card. On Mortal Kombat 11, so that I can bring you, the people, the news of the beta. So they were doing a closed beta that's only open if you had pre-ordered the game. It runs from Wednesday, March 28th, to, I believe, Sunday, March 31st? It might even run through through Wednesday. It might be a full week. Um, but in this beta, you don't get much. You get to fight online, and you get to do a very small combat tower for people who don't know in Mortal Kombat other than the story mode you fight different combat towers of varying lengths of people and you climb the ladder or the tower to get to the top and beat the last boss and they all have different modifiers this one's just a straight up classic beat the guy two rounds per per match kind of a thing best two out of three you get Scorpion of course you get Baraka Baraka's back you get Jade you get Cabal and you get Scarlet, who was a DLC character from Mortal Kombat 9. So, I played the game. It plays a lot like the other ones, as you can expect. Um, certain characters felt a little different this time. Like, Scorpion felt more like a heavy than before. Um, I'm pretty sure in, in even... I'd have to go back and play 10. But I think even in 9 and 10, he was kind of your starter guy. He was a neutral, like, average kind of Joe character. If unless I'm mistaken. I mean, he's my main, so I just kick the shit out of everyone with him. <laughs> I can't play anyone else for, gar- for for anything, so all I know is he's good. That's true. But he seemed a little heavier in this game, which is fine. He has, he's got to lose some weight. My thing is his get over here move, the spear, he doesn't say get over here. What? How, why? How? When? I, I, is this I did Mortal not, Kombat? I did is not hear Mortal- get over What is wrong with you, WB? Right? Nether Realms is owned by WB. Yes, it is. What is wrong with you, Warner Brothers? I don't Midway know. Midway made sure Ed Boon and John Tobias made sure that he would always say, get over here. What the? What I do like is their variations are back again. And one of the very one of the preset variations for Sub-Zero, or for Scorpion rather, is called Boon's Main, which I think is kind of cool. I think my favorite that I played with would be Scarlet. Scarlet does a lot of blood magic, She so she pulls blood out of people, and even herself, she has one move where she stabs herself with her blood dagger, and what it causes is a big blood puddle to appear in the sky and, and kind of uppercut people, which I thought was cool. She makes blood spheres and yeah. balls. Gruesome. Yeah, it's pretty gross. People get covered in the blood, too, which is nice. Fun fact about Scarlet, she was a rumored secret character, and that's where her she kind of got introduced into Mortal Kombat. Fans kind of thought her up. I like that. They were like, oh, there's a red version of Katana and Jade, and they're just like, oh, no, there's not. <laughs> and the fans were like, yeah, there are. No, they're lying. And then and they're like, you know, let's put her in the game. And so she is. And so she is. And I think she's, I mean, it looked like there were about 24 characters. I think there were 24 
squares mm-hmm. on the character selection sheet. So there's only five characters you could choose for now. But of those five, I think she was probably my favorite. Um, I thought she moved really well. I thought her move set was... She teleports, she's got distant moves, and she's got a good set of combos that are like close range. Yeah, she's got that nice set of mm, combos. That's right. Uh, Cabal works just like you think Cabal does. Baraka's a little different because one of his variations does, is... Does, does Cabal hold up? Does Cabal still has his rush pass, you make you spin place move? You know it, bro. Because that move is probably the cheapest move in all of Mortal Kombat. It is you know it, the bro. cheapest move in all of Mortal Kombat. I will say this. I played with Cabal online, and I won... I think I played with him twice online, and I won both times. But I did not win because of the spin move. The spin move actually almost killed me both times, because the cooldown that happens after you do the move, you really can only get like a punch or kick in to set yourself up for a combo. So it's not exactly a, a be-all, end-all, and you can't just spam it. The cooldown mm. in between the the run is definitely there although there are a couple times while i played against people where i'd be like shit stop (laughs) yeah um but they don't really get a lot of hits in in between it's just annoying and ultimate world count three you just do the run move make them spin shoot a plasma ball at them when they get back up you run at them again shoot another plasma ball and you just keep doing it and piss everyone off it's the greatest thing ever people get so mad yeah at least in this one not yet um barack is cool he's got a variation where he's got a flag so it's not just all about arm arm blades with him. The flag is cool. He carries it like a Orokai would carry a flag in Lord of the Rings. It's got his banner on it, and one of the, you can customize the banner, which I'll get to. But he like impales you with it and beats people up with it, which I thought was neat. In That's one of his weird. Variations. Jade works just like Jade normally does. She's got the shadow kick. She's got the Jade staff. Everything is green. So she's not dead anymore. Yay. Yep. So she was a pretty cool character. I I actually started off playing with her. But the game has a lot of aspects of the other Mortal Kombat, but also takes in some Injustice stuff. So while you have variations, you also have costume pieces. And you can basically create a huge different array of different outfits. Now, unlike Injustice 2, you can't attach, like, here's these shoes, here are these pants, here's this shirt. It's more, here's 15 costumes for this character. But then you get different pieces, like... For, let's take Sub-Zero, for instance. What does his mask look like that he puts on his face? Um, What does the tip of his spear that he throws out look like? And what are his katanas look like? And then you get augment slots as well. So it's got a lot of RPG-type elements that I think will keep gamers going. Because, again, this is the age of loot at this point. So a lot of it is about keeping the game going by playing online against other players and continuing to get loot. Not just loot that has great stats, but also loot that maybe looks cool. And maybe trying to keep working toward getting a certain item that has the stats you want, but also the style you want for the character. Which I know in Injustice kept me going for a while, trying to create what I would think would be the best Superman or best Batman. Now you can do that with the Mortal Kombat characters. Hmm. Variations seem a little confusing to me. I, I liked Mortal Kombat X's just, here's two variations, or two or three variations, play the game. This one, it looks like... You get that, and then you can create an infinite number of characters after that. What kind of moves do you... What moveset do you want? What weaknesses are you going to put in there? What bonus stats for movement and attributes and all that kind of stuff? Hopefully it's not too complicated. I didn't really play around with it too much. Again, the beta just came out yesterday, for when when we're recording this yesterday, to me. 
So I haven't played around with it too much, but it looks a little confusing, but I'm sure I'll get a hang of it. And maybe we'll get people excited to try out all these new different characters, and definitely we'll make online play interesting, because people will keep experimenting with different characters. Between the moveset, the outfits, the items, the attributes, you'll never fight the same Scorpion twice, which I think is cool, and keeps it fresh. Like, oh, I'm always, like, you know, Scarlet's great against Scorpion. Scorpion doesn't have a chance. Well, not this Scorpion. The Scorpion eats blood or whatever. Weird. (laughs) That's just a stupid example. But something like that. So I think it looks really cool. In my opinion, you might not, because you're maybe a more hardcore Mortal Kombat fan than me. After Mortal Kombat 4, I felt like Mortal Kombat took a a steep drop in quality. And then the last few, 9, 10, Injustice, Injustice 2, which I would count as kind of Mortal Kombat type games. And now this one, 11, are, are kind of a return to form of like the king of fighting games, I think. I don't know if you would agree, but I thought five through nine, five through eight were. Um, I mean, I really didn't play them because they were bad. But uh, we owned the all last of them, and we just never played. Good one, in my opinion, was Ultimate Mortal Kombat three, the last two dimensional one, and in my opinion, uh, the best one. So I just feel like all these new three D ones, they're they're not just they're not as fast paced. That being said, I did really like ten. I mean, sorry. Yeah, 10. 10. I wasn't a big fan of 9, but that's probably because Shao Kahn is a boss again in 9, and Shao Kahn should stop being a boss because he just makes me want to break the TV. And every 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 time they put Shao Kahn in the game, it just makes you want to break your TV. I think he's still the last challenge I have to beat in that game to get the final achievement in it because I just gave up on the the stupidest ultimate challenge was, was throw your control into a wall angry. Yep. I mean, in 2, he was in Mortal Kombat 2, but it's only if you could even get to him, because the AI in 2 is is impossible, literally, like, impossibly hard. Like, you have to cheese it. You can't actually play the game normally in Mortal Kombat 2. Big AI uh, actually literally cheats and can do things you cannot. Well, I hate to tell you this, bro, but Shao Kahn's back in this one. Although, he's a bonus character if you pre-order the game. So is he a boss though again? He probably won't be if he's if okay. you can only play as him if you pre-order. I think I think he's not going to be a boss. Okay, but and we'll I s- think they've also improved on the AI in these games. Since oh, we'll the see. Old days. I mean, he's still Hopefully. so cheap in Mortal Kombat Nine, and that wasn't too yeah. too long ago. But we'll see. Oh, another thing when you're fighting, which is pretty cool. I accidentally did brutality, which they don't tell you how to do anymore. <laughs> so it's kind of old school. Uh, that was neat. And, you know, the bone-breaking, the x-ray moves? Mm-hmm. In the old, other games, I like them, but they were a little cheap. You could just do them whenever you gained enough power and strength. Mm-hmm. Now you can only do them when it's your final blow. When you're about to die, that's the only time you can do them. Hmm. Which I think gives you a little bit better of a chance of, of fairness. And what I liked is the people I played with on Lied anyway would never use it until the final round. So while you're playing your initial rounds, no one used the final blow to kind of be cheap. Mm. Which I thought was cool. I I never really actually liked that. I didn't like that concept because, like, every x-ray move 
is basically like fatality status. You are breaking their skull and shattering it into a million pieces. But they're fine. They get right back up. They're fighting like nothing happens. That's Mortal Kombat. They go into it so much. Like you shatter someone's spine and then they can still move around for the rest of the match. Yeah, like a reptile spitting acid in people's faces and yeah, stabbing know, people with swords. At least they, they kind of, like, brush it off, you know? It's not like a slow-mo, look, I'm breaking his body apart really bad in slow motion, and then they just get back up. They are pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I feel like they should be, like, fatalities. They should be toned down a little bit, maybe? Not toned down. Like, I love the animations. It's just, <laughs> it's dumb to me that you do them in the middle or beginning of a fight, and then, they, like, the enemy, like I said, they just get back up like nothing happened. At least fatalities, like, you do it at the end, you're just, you know, you're actually, like, killing them. But, like, most of the x-ray moves should be killing them, too. I suppose. I just like the idea of it being your character's final chance to kind of get ahead in the game like all right take away this much health because you're already dying clearly let's even the odds a little bit instead of just hey let's massacre the person to have health at the beginning of the round and i will say this is the first time in online at least in the matches i've played even though it's just the beta where it ran pretty well even the lag that happened would pause the game for a split second both of us at the same time and pick it up exactly where we were it didn't really bother me at all because i felt like everything was pretty much on point so that's cool Indeed. So that's our preview for Mortal Kombat. So let's uh, flip the page. Flip it. Today we're going to start a segment we're going to call The Tech Corner with our local IT guy. Uh, Bro, do you know where he is? You want me to go get him? I don't know. I think he might be in the bathroom. Yeah, can you get him? Oh, wait, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jokes. Uh, We're so cheesy. All right. Today's Tech Corner, we're going to talk about streaming devices. Specifically, uh, the Shadowbox software that I keep seeing on Facebook and Instagram all over my feed telling me to subscribe. And then at the GDC, they Google announced, and I'm sure everyone's seen it because it's all over the place, the Google Stadia, which is essentially a streaming device from Google where you can buy a controller for it if you want, but it's there's no hardware. It's all streaming from Google's dedicated servers. With this, Google Stadia is going to stream all games at at least 60 frames per second. They want to get to 120 frames per second and play them at 120 frames to 60 frames per second. At worst, 30 frames. You should stream and get to the game instantly. Uh, supposedly, while you're watching somebody stream, you'll be able to jump into a game, your own game, just by clicking the stream. Basically, seamlessly connect YouTube integration into the actual system, which I think is pretty cool. The controller design looks cool. It's white and gold. It's got the Konami code in the back, uh, you know, for video game nerds. What is that? I've never heard of that before. Oh, right. The controller is definitely just a ripoff on the Xbox controller. Absolutely is. Like we discussed I mean, in the last episode. Best. Yeah, it's the best controller. Me not being an IT guy, yeah, it looks cool. It looks impressive. But more than likely, just like the Shadow Gaming System, it will be a monthly subscription to pay for this thing. So is it really worth it? Is it better than having an Xbox One X at your house or a PlayStation 4 Pro or even a nice gaming computer? And what does it take to stream games? For that we have to join the tech corner with player number two, Alex Butler. Alex, l- l- give us the give us the deets. What, what are we talking about here? Is this so, a good thing? It's a very niche thing, I can say. Okay. So Google Stadia doesn't have their pricing out yet, but with the Shadow Streaming Service, I did break it down for twelve months subscription. It would be about thirty four ninety five a month. Which would equal out to about four hundred nineteen dollars in a year. 
the three month subscription is thirty nine ninety five a month, which is four seventy nine a year. And if you're only doing it monthly, it jumps up a lot to forty nine ninety five a month, which is just about six hundred dollars every year. That being said, in one year of paying for the service, you could have your own Xbox One S or PS4 Pro, or in two years, you could have a really good gaming computer. Uh, I just did a quick Amazon search. I pulled up a computer, $700, really quick i5 processor, uh, NVIDIA GTX 1060 graphics card, which is pretty pretty good, less than the cost of two years of the Shadow Service. So, in my opinion, and just talking about the price, I feel like it's too expensive. You might as well just buy your own system. Next, I want to talk about how it works. So, it works by sending, and then, you know, it has to encode the video stream, gets to you, and then your end has to decode the video stream. That takes processing which means it takes time. And not only does that take time, but the time it takes for that feed to go from their server to your device is is more time. So I have a Asus Republic of Gamers Swift monitor, the PG278Q. So I like my monitors and my gameplay to have one millisecond of a delay from my input to seeing it on the screen. Even with a direct fiber connection, you're still going to see at least 15 millisecond, 10, 15 milliseconds of lag. But that's like best case scenario. A lot of people in the U.S. have cable, not direct fiber, which you will typically have a 30 to 40 second mil, uh, millisecond ping. Uh, depending on where the data centers are, if it's a you know a nearby data center, uh, it could be even far uh, more if it's further away. I'm not I'm not sure where their data centers are located. For the most people, majority of people who are have a cable internet, you're going to see at least a 30 to 40 millisecond delay from you know you hitting W to move forward to you actually seeing your character do that. And for single player games, that's not bad because it you don't really. You're not very dependent on it, unless it's like a platformer. Then you are. <laughs> um, so basically, skill-based games. That's that's a big downside for a skill-based game, is having that delay. And yeah, okay, if you don't have a really high-end computer, they have really good hardware in it, so it will look good. But I just feel like you're going to lose a lot of gaming fidelity by having that delay. I know Linus Tech Tips did a video on it, and a lot of people will say, oh, no, did you see the Linus Tech Tips video? There was, like, no delay. You have to also realize he recorded that at their data center. That was a local connection that he was showing off there. He wasn't going over the Internet with that. That was, like, anyone could get a really good LAN connection. You know, it's just like going from the computer sitting to your left to the computer to your right. It's not traveling, you know, it's not bouncing along routers, which is what you do on the Internet. You're going from router to router to router to router until you finally hit your destination, and then the signal goes router, router, router back to you. And this was the shadow box, correct? This is a shadow box, but it's the same with Google Stadia. It's the same concept. So it's not going to matter how great, how many teraflops they say they have or that it's more powerful no, than Xbox that, or PlayStation yeah. combined. This, this problem will still happen. This problem will still It's not about your, your bandwidth. It's about uh, the speed of transmission. Bandwidth, like, you know, saying I have super fast internet, I could download, you know, 
I have like a gigabit internet. There's a difference between bandwidth and ping. And ping is what we're looking at here. Ping is how quickly the two devices talk to each other. Whereas bandwidth is basically think of like a hallway, a giant hallway. You could fit more hot dogs down a really <laughs> wide hallway. Um, whereas ping is how fast those hot dogs are traveling down a hallway. Someone who has 30 megabits per second of internet could have the same ping as someone who has 500 megabits per second. That doesn't affect ping. Ping is is a physical thing. If you have fiber optic straight to your house, that's light traveling. Whereas most people have cable internet, which is an electrical signal traveling through a cable. So light's always going to be the fastest. Light's going to be faster. But it's also a lot more expensive, and a lot of areas in the United States do not have direct fiber to home yet. That is usually a business thing. A lot of businesses will have direct fiber, which I'm sure Shadow and Google Stadia, definitely Google Stadia because it's Google, have fiber going to these data centers. But the user at their home will not. So you're still having that delay there. Do you think that maybe this is the future of gaming, but we're not quite there yet? Yes. I, I do feel like that because right now, for A, I don't know, again, we don't know the pricing on Google Stadia, but Shadow, you can buy your own device in a year if you're a console gamer, you could buy, you can buy that Xbox One S or PS4 Pro in the amount of money you're paying for a yearly subscription to Shadow, or in two years you could buy a gaming computer that's really decent. So it's, and, and then having that delay, it's just not worth that delay you know, the only upside I really can come up with with this is the fact that it's usable on different devices that you could use your cell phone as a screen and maybe use a Bluetooth controller. That's really the only benefit. But again, you have to have a good Internet connection and a, st- a stable one. So you're probably not going to be out in the world using your data signal to be playing these games. I mean, first, if you don't have unlimited data, you're going to max out your data in, like, a minute of gaming. It's just it's just not feasible right now between the price and the internet and connectivity here, at least in the U.S. South Korea is doing really good. They've got fiber going to most of the homes in, in South Korea and Japan. The U.S. is kind of lagging behind in that department. We're still mostly on twisted pair cable. I thought you were going to say 56K. Oh, yeah, no, you would sad. never. Nope. And also add the sound effect. <laughs> Uh, so that that's that's my opinion. It's good in theory, but too pricey, and most people don't have the internet to actually play games well with it. So when do you think we, as a people, would be ready for something like that? When do you think something like that is going to be kind of take over? Honestly, we're trying to push in the U.S. for fiber really hard these days. I would assume in the next three to four years, you're going to see a lot more people with fiber. So that'll get rid of that issue, but then they need to come down on price. Like I said, it's very niche. You have to be a very certain situation to play it. Someone who has fiber optic internet, who really wants to be able to play on anything in their pocket that has a screen anywhere in like their house or anywhere out in the world you have to be like really addicted to gaming (laughs) so if you really love gaming and you have a lot of disposable income it's not even really you have to be living in a good area you have to be living in the right area you have to be lucky too yeah you have to be lucky to have that fiber to really get rid of that delay 
I mean, Google Stadia does have those cool features, which seems nice in in theory, but they're going to suffer from the delay issue also because that's not on them; it's on the end user. It's so, your fault. Gaming it is. People. It is. <laughs> it is your fault. I mean, if you have fiber and the price goes down, sure, go for it. Why not? Also, what if the network goes down? You have to be online. You can't play any games offline. I feel like that's solely becoming the reality of pretty much every gaming system, though. Yeah, it's true. More so single-player games, I guess. That's mm. what I'm getting at. For this thing, you'll need a constant connection. No interruptions. On both ends. You know, it's just, eh. I'd rather have my own reliable, dedicated equipment to game on. So what you're saying is get Google Stadia 2 when it comes out (laughs) in five years. Yeah. At least Google Stadia has a lot of these uh, interesting features that are only exist with Google Stadia. Whereas Shadow is literally you're just controlling, you're remoting in. For example, in my job in IT, I have to do a lot of remoting in to users uh, in different areas because I don't have physical access to their computers. It's just that. You're just remoting into another computer, uh, borrowing a computer. There's no features. There's no cool Google Stadia jump in from watching a stream kind of thing. It's just you're you're remoting into a computer somewhere else in the world to use their hardware. Just mm. get your own. Well, there you have it. Just get your own. All right. So uh, that does it for that. So let's flip the page flip it alright bros so I think that about does it for this episode of two player bros that does so soon I know it's sad but we could talk about my wallpaper yeah well maybe next episode what about my curtains those aren't even video game themed yeah I know but alright so anyway (laughs) we hope you enjoyed this episode we do episodes every other week if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. Every little subscription and viewing helps. Let people know. Spread the word. You can find us also on twoplayerbros.com. You can also tweet us at twoplayerbros. You can find us on Instagram, and you can find us on Facebook at twoplayerbros. So please join, like, and follow us there. Let's do some plugs, bro. What do, what do you got going on? Yeah, I just You just kind of upgraded. I mean, I got a rash on my hand right now. Oh, that's gross. Yeah. So anyway, oh, like like things I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. You uh Twitch is really the only thing I got going on. Twitch affiliate now, just got that last week. Twitch.tv slash A V E N G A L E X Avengelix. Come check me out. Right now I'm playing Terraria. you wanna tell me about the Prime thing? So if you're feeling generous and you have Amazon Prime, I'm sure most of you know who have Twitch Prime. You can link your Amazon account to your Twitch account, and you get one free subscription a month. So if you want to support me for free, you can force Amazon to give me money. Just use your free subscription on me. It won't cost you a thing. It'll give me some money, help me, and keep me streaming. And, uh, yeah, that's what I got going on. Nice. Uh, I've got... Right now, I've got two other podcasts going on. I've got... Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, which by the time you're listening to this, hopefully our first episode will be out. That's a podcast about brews, reviews, and pop culture news. We uh, crack open a different beer every time, a different craft beer. We talk about the history of the beer, where it came from, what it tastes like, what's in it, who made it, and then we uh, chill out. We talk to you guys about the uh, upcoming 
pop culture news, and we review some stuff we've watched, seen, or heard in the pop culture zeitgeist. And then I've also got Forgotten Cinema with my buddy Mike Field. That'll probably come out sometime in May, I would imagine. We're trying to build up a collection of episodes where we go over movies that we remember enjoying and other people might have enjoyed when they came out, but for whatever reason seem to have fallen off the face of the earth. No one really talks about them that much anymore, and we think they might deserve a second viewing. So we go back, watch it, and we let you know what we thought about the film, why we think it might have disappeared, even if it was very popular back then, and whether or not you should give it another chance. So that's Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise and Forgotten Cinema. And other than that, I do this, two-player bros, so don't forget to rate and subscribe to us. And a special thanks to Ozd from Ozd.net, who makes awesome chiptunes. Special thanks to him for letting us use his song, Getting Started, from the Friendship Adventure album. I like friendship. Friends are fun. Friends are fun. You're my friend. Just not one with benefits. Anyway. Anyway. This is two-player bros. Two-player bros. Remember, keep on gaming. <laughs>